Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. Hi, this podcast is sponsored by Ops Analytica, the restaurant checklist inspection and reporting platform. If you are trying to get better visibility into your daily operations and hold your managers more accountable and run better operations, check us out at opsanalytica.com. That's O-P-S-A-N-A-L-I-T-I-C-A.com or just search restaurant checklist app. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Order Up Restaurant Ops Podcast. This is Tommy Anulis, and I'm here today with my good friend, Ryan Gromfin. Say hello, Ryan Gromfin. Hey, Ryan Gromfin. <laughs> Ryan and I actually met, um, it was a beautiful night on the Seine in Paris, and we just both were walking. No. Uh, the city of life. It was. It was gorgeous. I actually found Ryan um, doing a search on restaurant checklists for working at my company, Ops Analytica. I was doing some research and one of Ryan's videos popped up and I was really impressed with what he was doing. He's a restaurant consultant and he'll tell you more about that in a second. And so I reached out and then we ended up having some meetings and we had, and then we did a webinar together and uh, now we're doing a podcast. So it's all- You can't forget to stuff. talk about our, our lovely lunch date that we had. That's right. We had a beautiful lunch at the White Chocolate Grill here in uh, Highlands Ranch, Colorado. It was a wonderful meal. And uh, yeah, and so we've been working. Does this podcast allow explicit language? It does allow explicit language. Wonderful. Because I have a story. Okay, just Just making sure. Curse it up. That's what the people want to hear. Yeah, let's bring them the filth that they've asked for in their restaurant business podcast. (laughs) 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 Anywho. Um, yeah, so we've been hanging out. We did a webinar together on checklists and uh, you can see it on both our websites and we've just, uh, we're sort of doing the same thing in different ways. We're here trying to help restaurant operators get better, but, uh, and basically actually the same way, but just slightly different approaches. And, uh, anyway, so Ryan, welcome to the show and thanks for having me. You're welcome, man. So the format of the interview is that I ask the same five questions to everybody. That way we always kind of like can kind of compare person to person as we go through all the different interviews and that's it. And, you know, feel free to talk at will. And then, oh, so we'll do the five questions. And then at the end, you're going to plug yourself and where people can find out more about you and, and all that stuff. And then we will wrap it up. So awesome. the first question, question numero uno. Explain what you do today and then take us through your career progression from your first job in the industry through. And I I like to ask this question at the beginning because I want everybody's listening to remember that everybody in this industry starts like low out on the totem pole and works their way up. So I help restaurant owners enjoy more freedom, make more money and just overall have more joy in their lives. That's my 30 second elevator pitch, but really I help restaurant owners just make more money and have more freedom, whatever that means to them. Uh, I work with usually independent restaurant owners. I like to say one to five units, one to five million, but really it's a struggle out there. It's tough. And the way that I got into the business, it's kind of a long story. We'll do the short version of it. But there was, I determined there was a huge need because I felt the need for it. I needed help. I was working with business coaches I was traveling the world to attend seminars on personal development and growth and business in general, but nobody understood the restaurant business. So they develop all these great systems. If you're a Monday to Friday, nine to five or 
for how to manage your life, how to balance your life, how to how to have time for work and your family and your kids and all the things that are pulling on you, but none of them even remotely understood what it was like to be a restaurant owner, the kinds of hours, the kind of physical and mental pressures that we felt. And so when an opportunity came about for me to help a few other restaurant owners, um, I jumped right at it and I loved it. And they got amazing results and I loved it. And so that's kind of kind of what I do today. And I do it through a variety of different methods. Um, I have an online program called Restaurant Owners Roadmap, which is like a seven-day online course. I do one-on-one consultations, like live at your restaurant and training with staff. But most of my clients work with me virtually uh, via Skype, via phone, wherever you are in the world. Amazing technology now. We're able to talk uh, for free and share screens and share technology and, and everything. So it's it's really amazing. Um, I think part of that question was how, like where I started, how I got here. Is that correct? Yeah. And I like that you don't guarantee joy because if I ever met a happy restaurant employee, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably freak out because I'm the alien. So. Well, we all, we hit, we hit the bottle at the end of the day and that's, that's where we find our joy. Yeah. But, the bottle. You no, know, I mean, I, I, we'll get into it more. Hopefully maybe, I don't know how long we're going to go here, but like, honestly, it's not supposed to be this hard. We make it so much harder than it is, and we read all the statistics about failure rates and all this shit, but it's not that hard. It's not that hard to make money in the restaurant business. We make it hard, and you know, like I said, maybe we'll talk about that more, but um, I started cooking when I was 15 years old, maybe a little bit before that. When I was 13, 14 years old, Food Network was just kind of coming around, and it was really bad, and it was only on like two hours a day, and it was basically reruns of Emerald Lagasse all day long. But I like ran home from school, and I found myself like instead of watching cartoons or hanging out with girls or doing whatever else a 14-year-old boy is supposed to do in school, I was like glued to Emerald, like literally, like watching TV, like wanting to go to New Orleans and eat at his restaurants and then Mario Batali and Ming Tsai and all these like super cool mentors, geniuses as far as I'm concerned, were like in my living room and on my TV and I would like, I remember like I couldn't find any of the ingredients that they were talking about at the time. I mean, this is going back, what, 23, 24 years ago, something like that. I don't even know. I can't do math. And um like, I, my dad and I would have to drive, like, 45 minutes into, like, downtown L.A. to find, like, achiote paste because the two <laughs> hot tamales made something with achiote. And now it's like I have, I have a brick of who doesn't have achiote in their pantry? I mean, come on. I just made achiote ribs for, um, <laughs> for the 4th of July. But anyway, so I kind of got, like, into cooking. And my mom was always a great cook at home. I mean, she did, you know, home cooking. But food was always good. It was tasty. And I kind of started working with her in the kitchen a little bit. And we had some fun with it. And then... I brought it to two hot tamales, but some friends of a friend knew them. Uh, Mary Samilk and Susan Feniger have a restaurant called um, Border Grill in Los Angeles at the time. They still do. And I spent a day in the kitchen with them. I'm like, that was it. I was hooked. I was like 15 years old. My mom had to drop me off, and then she like drove around Santa Monica for three hours waiting <laughs> for me to be done and come pick me up. And the funny thing is that summer I got a job at a very exclusive country club just outside of Beverly Hills called Hillcrest Country Club. And yeah, it was awesome because my mom had to drop me off at work. And so if you can imagine all the kitchen employees that are like, hey, where Werito, you know, and my mom's dropping me off in her Mercedes Benz and I'm like walking into the back. Um, <laughs> nice. So it was hilarious. But it was awesome because at the time the country club was doing, they were in the middle of a renovation and they were doing buffet service. That's it. That's all they were doing. Tuesday through Sunday, all meal periods were buffet. 
and I was basically like re-prepping the buffets, like dicing the tomatoes and the onions for the omelet station, all that crap. And I got to go out a lot into the dining room with the buffets, and I knew some of the members there. I didn't know a lot of them, but I, I kind of got hooked on that, like making food for someone right in front of them and them like smiling and being a part of the process. And I think that kind of hooked me early. Um, a few other boring stories along the way, went to culinary school, at Johnson and Wales, came back job at the Peninsula hotel in Beverly Hills, then internship at the uh, mansion on Turtle Creek in Dallas. I kind of got into this five star high end cuisine. Fast forward six or seven years. You don't need all the boring stuff, but, um, I realized like, wow, that five-star hotel is great. It's not, I'm never going to open up a five-star hotel myself. It's just not going to happen. And the life of the chef in a country club and a hotel sucks. <laughs> I saw it. It sucked. And I, I, I didn't want that. So I wanted to own my own restaurant. And so I figured if I want to own my own restaurant, I should go work in a restaurant similar to what I want to own. Hello, if any of you are listening to this and you're like, I want to own a restaurant one day, I get those emails all the time. And if you're a server or whatever it is, or even if you're about to open up a restaurant, whatever it is, go work in the type of restaurant that you want to open. Hello, I get this email all the time from people. I want to open up a burger restaurant, but I have no experience. I'm like, then go work in a burger restaurant for a year. Um, but anyway, so that's what I did. I went and worked in more everyday restaurants, and that's when I realized I was like, oh, my God, like this is, this is messed up. I came from five-star hotels. We had engineers. We had systems. We had salespeople. We had general managers. We had trained staffs. We had sommeliers. We had professional servers. And then I go into this freestanding independent world, and I'm like, nobody knows what's going on here. There's no checklist training. There's no prep list. There's no procedures. There's no interview process. There's no training process. They're like, here's an apron. Start cooking. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, where's the recipe for this? How do you want me to do it? They're like, well, I don't know. Like, that guy will teach you how to do it. I'm like, that guy sucks, and he's going to teach me how to do it. Um, but I got through that. I got a few of my own restaurants open, kind of partnerships with someone else. And um, we basically, that whole thing fell apart, and that's how I got into consulting. It's kind of a long story. So let me tell you my omelet bar story because I used to do the omelets at a country club because I was in country clubs in college because I had like a hotel restaurant degree and I was all into country club management. I was like the worst omelet cook ever because I never went in not hungover because I was in college and I would literally ask the person like 17 times what omelet they ordered. So they'd yep. be like, hey, can I grab a Demer omelet? And I'd be like, absolutely. Yeah, sure. And then like literally eight seconds later, I'd be like, so what kind of omelet did you want again, Demer omelet? And I could literally like five to six times per um, per omelet experience was me asking the person exactly what omelet they wanted. So and even now you can't even remember what you wanted to say. No, I can't. Well, also because my stupid screensaver just popped on and I lost my question. So I had to type through that. This is a very complicated job running this podcast. I've got to do like two it's, whole things at one time. It's exciting. It's super and, complex. I also have to, I have to leave my phone on for like an hour and a half after the podcast to make sure that it uploads. Oh yeah. I mean, hey, what, what the heck? you're making the big bucks, dude. Come on. Seriously. <laughs> So, okay. So basically you fell in love with cooking, which explains a lot about you that you didn't have any friends. You were just cooking with your mom. And then it just ballooned into this whole career. And now you're helping restaurant people, which is awesome. Cool. Yeah. It just really, I just like, I'm like, this is, this is hard and it shouldn't be hard. And I had to search the world to find the answers for things, literally like seminars all over the world from some of the best like business minds, reading books and everything. And I'm like, Someone needs to share this with the rest of the people because they're making it they're making it harder than it needs to be. For sure. 
I would agree with that. And it's all about systems too, but we'll get into that in a second. So oh yeah, what is the big project or initiative that you're working on right now? I'm working on a couple of things. I mean, really, the big project I'm working on right now is my my new software. Um, it's a big project, and and it's been something that for three or four years I've been looking at doing and and been trying to find a piece of software that will fulfill the needs of my clients. And I just haven't been able to find it. And four months ago, I said, you know what, that's it. We're just I'm just doing this myself. And I hired a developer. And we just went into beta last week on it. And so by the time anyone's actually listening to this, we'll probably be live with it. Um, but that's that's the primary focus of my business, the training and everything else I love to do. Uh, but a lot of times what ends up happening, people are like, I love your systems. I love your training. Now how do I do it? I'm like, well, you can use this guy's software and this guy's software and then try to get this to work and then use some Excel spreadsheets. And my goal eventually within the next you know two years or so is to have a platform that basically does all of the systems and all of the things that I preach all day long to people that I try to help them with. One login, mobile device, whatever, you're in your computer, it'll run. It'll help you run your restaurant Sweet. from start to finish, from marketing to operations to financials. Can you talk about what your software does and give us the name or is it still top secret at this point? So I actually don't even have a name for it. Well, that's it. good marketing. Um, so I've, keep going on that. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, well, you, you'll well, by the time you're listening to this, you'll just come on over to restaurantboss.com. Um, if if it's not up on my website yet somewhere, then it's not live yet. If it is, you'll see it. You can shoot me an email, Ryan at the restaurantboss.com. But really, currently in its form, it's a cost of goods sold software. Um, actually, it's a prime cost software. We're working on the labor component, but again, by the time it goes live, it will have that labor component. But it's a way to determine an accurate cost of goods sold without taking inventory. Nice. That's the big piece. Most people get bogged down on inventory. They're like, "Well, I don't know how much my recipes cost because that's really complicated, and you know, I don't really take an inventory. And if I do take an inventory, it's never accurate because if they don't have recipe costs." And they're not updating their prices on a daily basis because don't we love this industry? <laughs> Every time you order tomatoes, they're a different price. How stupid is that? <laughs> um, like let's just make it harder than we have to. So I've developed a system uh, that's proprietary to me. I've never seen anyone else use this uh, where I can get you an accurate cost of goods sold without taking inventory, without knowing the cost of any of your products. We can get you usable, actionable data that you can start making real decisions on in your restaurant. And what I like to call it is I like to make decisions on actual data rather than gut feelings or gut reactions. And you'll hear me say this a hundred times every time I'm on the phone with a client or in the restaurant, whenever they make a decision, I say, now, did you base that on market data, on actual data or on gut reaction? And they're like, well, I'm like, okay, so you're guessing that that's your food cost. So you're guessing that you should be doing this rather than actually knowing the numbers. So that's what that's what the, the the phase one of this software really does for people. And if this was an infomercial, I would this would be my line right now. Wait, Ryan, did you say you don't have to take inventory to calculate your actual cost of goods sold? That's true. And if you get started today, I can offer you two restaurants for the price of what? One. I don't believe it. You've got to tell me how you do it. And <laughs> if you order in the next nineteen minutes, which the nineteen minute counter never stops, but if you order within the next nineteen minutes, I'm going to give you a second restaurant management <laughs> software that you can give to a friend. Oh my gosh. Well, I've got to get on the phone right now. Where do I call? Uh, okay. Awesome. 
So that's really cool. And you know what? So you're, you're right. Cause like they have a good solution, I think for liquor inventory. I don't remember the name of the company, but I saw it at the NRA show and they have a, Liquor, liquor inventory is easy, right? Because the bottles don't really change sizes. The problem is, is that Cisco will come and send you, you know, six ounce chicken breast, but they'll send two pound bags. And in the next week they send four one pound bags or whatever it is. And so, yeah, it's, that's really hard to get into an inventory system. And I was actually one of the first guys that worked on a software called Foodco, Foodco 5 back in like the mid nineties. I was like a consultant. I have a client, have a client who uses food. Nice. <laughs> and yeah. So, and like, they, and they're still out there doing it. But I mean, you literally miss one comped meal or you change one recipe a little and boom, the whole thing, the theoretical goes right out the window and, and you're toast. So it's one of those things where unless you've got like a dude that you pay real money to sit in your office and like manage it, which I could see in a hotel or for a restaurant chain, but not for an independent or, you know, just a couple well, guys. And that's who, that's who I serve. That's who I want to help. That's, that's who's dying in this industry yeah. right now. There's fantastic software out there for corporate, for big hotels that have budgets, for multi-unit restaurants, for 20, 30 chain restaurants. There is unbelievable software out there, but it's too expensive. It's too cumbersome. And what you just said is so true. Nobody's got the yeah. time to deal with it. And the numbers don't mean enough. If you've got 20 units and you're comparing theoretical to actual, you can get data. If you save one per, if you have 20 restaurants doing $2 million each and you save 2% on $40 million in sales, that's $800,000. That's a massive, massive piece of business. But for your average everyday restaurant owner, some of those, it's great to read about theoretical versus actual. It's great. But if you're doing $800,000 or $600,000 a year, that stuff isn't going to make any difference to your bottom line. I want to – I work on systems and procedures and processes that give you real results for the average independent restaurant owner out there. That's what I want. I hear you. Uh, okay. So next question, question number three, Trace. Question Trace. Uh, what is the one thing in the industry or your business that's keeping you up at night? I, what's one thing in my business or my industry that keep me up at night? It's just that it shouldn't be this hard. How do I, it's what keeps me awake at night is how do I make it easier? How do I make it easier to train restaurant owners? How do I make it easier to train their staff? How do I make it easier for them to implement systems? How do I make it easier for them to find the profits that they need? I just think, like we said at the top of the call, I just think we're overcomplicating it. Well, and it's weird because if you think about it, besides POS systems, restaurants are basically this like uh, Jesus walking into a restaurant 2000 years ago and Jesus walking into a restaurant today would be the exact same experience. Like almost everything else is the same except for this little layer of technology, like the actual someone cooks the food and brings it to your table and you eat it is the same. But yet it's like it's gotten so much crazier. Like I, you wonder if like Mel from Mel's Diner was like freaking out like this. <laughs> you know, but the, I know, I know Mel from Mel's. Diner. Oh, really? That's I awesome. do. His name's not cool. Mel. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and and you know, like obviously, I think with our company, we work with a lot of multi-unit operators, and uh, 
and multi-unit operators that might be in operating individual concepts, like five or 10 different concept restaurants, or they might be a small chain. And you're right. Like they have, it's a, just a different game for those guys than it is for the independent. And then you have the franchisees and, you know, it just depends on which franchisor they're working with the, the, that debates on how, Oh my God. If they're actually franchisees, yeah, if they're franchisees are getting screwed these days. If you're not a, uh, if you're not a real restaurateur, you're just a person buying a franchise, you're in some trouble. But if you know, like buy a cleaning business, buy a cleaning business instead, go into people's homes with a vacuum cleaner and clean their windows and, and buy, buy, don't go in, don't, don't think that you're going to go into the restaurant business buying some no name franchise that hasn't been proven yet, that doesn't have the systems in place to help you operate and you're going to figure it out. It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I, well, you know, I worked at Quizos like at the height of like right after they crested and they were sort of on their way down. And I had multiple positions there. And one of them was uh, was working in the Francis assistance department and doing that in 2008 at the height of the downturn was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. I, was it toasty? It was, it was pretty hard. And there was a whole other stuff. Anyway, that's a different podcast. This is the Ryan Show. So uh, <laughs> I think that you kind of already touched on this, but I am going to ask question number four to you, which is what is the one thing that you thought the industry would be doing right now that it isn't? I thought the industry would be a little further along with, again, like operational support, systems, technology. When I say technology, there's incredible – technology out there right now for like like um uh like online ordering and loyalty and marketing and things like that but i mean like what runs a restaurant how a restaurant runs like finally in like the last year or two we've seen some like really big advances in pos technology but it's very slow moving and it's still further behind than i thought it would be but i mean there isn't a business in the world that doesn't have awesome proprietary software that runs that business. I mean, if you open up a spa, there's great spa software. If you open up a tire shop, there's tire shop software. If you, there's no like restaurant software that's like, oh my God, I operate a restaurant. I have to have this piece of software and it's built for me and it does everything I need it to do. And that's, that's shocking to me. And then that comes into systems and checklists and procedures and SOPs and, and conducting interviews and training and all of that stuff that like, why isn't that there yet? So I'm just doing it. Well, and what's interesting about like the industry is that everybody is investing. You go to the NRA show and it's like, you can't spit without hitting a POS system like vendor. And oh my God, there's like 50,000 of them at the restaurant show. And that's a huge show. And so you're like amazed how many POS vendors and there's, like you said, it's, it's all about websites. It's about mobile ordering. It's about uh, takeout. It's about delivery. It's about all these channels to drive more sales into your business. But the lack of like actual operational software, the thing that you're actually going to use every day to ensure that you could even handle bringing on a new sales channel isn't there it's it and um you know there's people like us there's people like you that we're filling these like we're filling gaps but it's like you, you to do it today and get the best software you're going to be picking and choosing a bunch of individual solutions but it's like don't invest like if you have shitty operations don't invest in grubhub 
That is the last thing you need to do because you're, or like, go, don't start a Groupon. Don't do anything but fix your operations and get yourself to a point where you're wowing your guests. And then you can look to expand your business because you literally can market yourself out of business. And it's terrifying. And people do it all the time. My favorite my favorite business coach, Keith Cunningham, who is the if you if you've read Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Keith Cunningham is the rich dad. There's a whole there was a whole big falling out between Keith Cunningham and Robert Kiyosaki, whatever. Who knows details, rumors doesn't matter. But Keith Cunningham is my absolute favorite business coach. I've read his books, been to his seminars. He's incredible. But he compares marketing to like flying in an F-16, where like. Most small businesses, like, they want to get into the cockpit of, like, the fastest, most nimble jet airplane. And, like, they're always, they are, they're always, like, balls to the wall, pedal to the metal on marketing. But the problem with going that fast when you're spending all of your time and all of your resources on marketing is if you're not trained how to fly that airplane, I mean, like, 2,000 hours in the cockpit and know what every dial and every gauge in that airplane does, you're one instant away from complete disaster. F-16s, you don't survive crashes. You blow up and die. It's like get in the car where you're on the ground, where you're safe, where you're moving at a steady pace, where there's only a couple of gauges that really matter. And honestly, those gauges don't even matter. If you get in trouble, you just hit the brakes and you're fine. Like slow down on marketing. And a quote that he says is, if every customer who ever touched your business or experienced your business or ate your food, fill in the blank, whatever, if every customer who's experienced your business was still a customer, you wouldn't have time to think about marketing. So focus on the operations. The best marketing you could do in your restaurant, the best marketing you can do in your restaurant is ensure that every guest leaves with their mind blown. Ensure that every guest leaves with their expectations exceeded, not met, but exceeded. You will never spend a penny again on marketing if every guest leaves your leaves your restaurant with their expectations exceeded. It, so I recorded another podcast today before this one, and it's on exactly that. Control what you can control. Focus on operations. It's the only way to sustainably grow sales. So this is why Ryan and I are doing this interview because we like think exactly the same way about this stuff and and know and have seen firsthand that it works. So awesome. That's a really great quote too, by the way. So I'm going to steal it. I think. Thanks. I'm I'm glad I got sloppy seconds on the interview. Hey, you know, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm a player, and players play. So, um, <laughs> final question, fifth question: Recount the funniest or worst thing that you that has happened to you in your career. So it could be just a hilarious story. It could be whatever, but something like that is just funny or like cringeworthy. Right. I'll take either one. Well, we'll go we'll, – I'm going to do two. Nice. We're going to go with cringeworthy first. I have actually had a fork thrown at me, and it nearly embedded into me. And that was a moment when I realized I'm like, I don't want to be in high-end hotels anymore. <laughs> if these are the kind of jerks that I'm working for, like literally the four – if I wasn't wearing three layers of clothing, like between like an apron, a wool chef coat, and then like an undershirt – that fork would have like literally like embedded into my side. So that, that, that was, I've had plates thrown at me. I've had a chef like literally pick up a hot plate of food and throw it back and it hits me in the chest and I've got food all over me for the rest of the service. Just total, complete embarrassment. Um, but the story that I really want to tell in this, in this instance is it, it may not per se be like so funny, laugh out loud, funny. And maybe that's just because I'm not a great 
funny storyteller, comedian like Tommy, who's trained in this. <laughs> yeah. But I'm cooking at the Peninsula Hotel um, about 10, 12 years ago at the Roof Garden, which is their absolutely gorgeous, beautiful upstairs, like poolside dining. If you're ever in LA, <laughs> just go to the Peninsula and order like a $34 hamburger because it's like awesome up there. I know it's crazy expensive, but it doesn't matter. It's beautiful. And um, Mel Brooks. Um, Spaceball yes. guy, you know, um, what else? I mean, he's done everything, Blazing Saddles, just awesome, awesome, hilarious guy. Uh, orders, I, I'm covering for the chef. The, chef. the chef who normally works with there is out of town, so I'm covering for him. So I don't know everyone's like regulars. And I guess Mel Brooks is staying in the hotel because his house is being redone. And a ticket comes in for him and it says Mel Brooks on it. We would do that a lot. So we knew who we were cooking for because they all had very special requests. And he ordered an omelet. Well done on the outside, rare in the middle with ham and cheddar. And I'm like, what? Yeah. So I asked the server, I'm like, how the hell do I make a well done omelet that's well done on the outside, rare? First of all, what does a rare omelet look like? And so then he's like, no, no, no. He just likes it. He's like the guy, Nick, who is the chef up there. He's like, no, no, no. He, he does it where it's like dark on the outside and still runny in the middle. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So I try it, send it out. Like three minutes later, four minutes later, I asked the server, I'm like, Did, does Mr. Brooks like his omelet? And he's like, no, he didn't really like it. I'm like, oh, my God, like, what did I do wrong? Do you want me to make it again? He's like, yeah, if you can make it again. So I make it again, send it out. He didn't like it. Next day, he comes and orders the same thing. I make it for him twice, doesn't like it. Next day, he comes and orders the same thing. I'm like, this is like, hello, like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So I tell the server, I'm like, I'm not making this omelet for him again until I get a chance to talk to him and find out what I'm doing wrong. So can I go out and talk to him? And the, Server said, sure, going out. So I put on my clean coat. I walk out. Mr. Brooks, you know, huge fan. How are you? Uh, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm covering for Nick up here. I'm really sorry. I'm obviously getting this wrong. Are you going to be staying in the hotel for a while longer? Because if so, I want to get this right. He says, yeah, I'm here for three more weeks. I'm like, all right, what am I doing wrong here? And he's like, I don't know. I'm not watching you cook it. I'm like, well, what do you want? And he tries to explain to me, and I'm like, this makes no sense to me at all. I said, do you want to – I said – literally, I said to him, I said, do you cook your your breakfast at home or does someone cook it for you? He says, no. What do, you, what do I look like? He says, I make my own breakfast at home. I said, do you mind coming back in the kitchen and showing me how you nice. want it so I can get this right for you? He says, I'd love to. <laughs> so I said, give me five minutes. Let me clean up the kitchen. So I clean up the kitchen. I called downstairs to our laundry department. They got a brand-new chef coat. They quickly embroidered because we, we would do custom embroidering for all the guests in the hotel. Uh, whenever you check in, we would have pillows with your initials on them, monogrammed, and put into your room. That's insanity. Um, okay, keep going. That's well, what do you, for for four for hundred ninety five dollars starting room rate. You know, you got to do something <laughs> to make guests feel special. Wow. Um, and then they can take the pillowcases home with them. I think it's lovely. But anyway, so I quickly called downstairs. I'm like, we need a jacket. It needs to say Mel Brooks on it, and blah blah blah. And so like, we they get the jacket upstairs. We give it to him. He's got his little hat on. <laughs> and he and I spent. Oh my God, we probably spent like two hours cooking in the kitchen. Like orders are coming in. I'm like, you got that, Mel? He's like, what are we doing? I'm like, hamburger on the grill. He's like, all right, I'm on it. And it was awesome. And he cooked, he literally, like him and I cooked for like two hours in the kitchen. Um, and all of the servers, because this is, this is Beverly Hills, like all the servers, this is where deals happen. The Peninsula Hotel is where deals happen in Hollywood. So all the servers are starving actors and they're running out to their cars and getting their headshots and their scripts and all. But we had policies in place at the hotel that you're not allowed to solicit guests. So the servers are like just begging and hoping that someone would ask to talk to them. And here I am. Like I got, I could care less. I got two hours with Mel Brooks and we had a great time. It was awesome. That is an awesome story. That is awesome. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and doing the interview. Can you tell everybody where they can find you and uh, get your services and learn more about your software? 
Yeah, I'd love to. So um, the restaurantboss.com is the best way to get me. That's kind of the hub where everything is. Um, obviously, I've got a presence on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else. But head on over to the restaurantboss.com. There's a quick and easy way to navigate, like start here. I've got a free video series for you if you're interested. You just enter your name and email. Otherwise, um, amazing videos, all free, everything on my website. And yeah, if you're if you're interested in reaching out to me directly, if you want some help one on one, if you have a question, you know, I'd love to take a couple of minutes and help you answer something. But please, if you're going to send me a question directly, make it a specific question, not like I'm thinking about opening up a restaurant. Is that a good idea? Or I got a question today. I have $140,000. Is that enough to open a restaurant? I'm like, dude, seriously, I don't know. Like, where are you? What are you trying to do? So like I say, head on over to therestaurantboss.com. You can shoot me an email, ryan at therestaurantboss.com, and I'd love to help you out. Just mention that you heard me on this um, on this podcast here with Tommy Y. Okay, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it, and uh, it was great talking to you again. And take care, brother, and we'll be in touch soon. Thanks, pal. You too. Have a great one, and thanks to everyone out there listening. Hope this was helpful. Yep, take care. See you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. See you.